Tag Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Extension Horses Tack Box Talk Series Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University. And today's returning guests are Susie White of Michigan State University and also Taylor Fabus, who have been returning visitors to the program. So welcome, Susie and Taylor. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here again. So uh, we invited you guys back because you both are successful barn owners. And one of the issues that does crop up occasionally uh, with horse barns, perhaps because horse people say are maybe opinionate, we're passionate, right? So we're all very passionate about almost everything. (laughs) And with that passion, uh, sometimes there's a bit of drama or some extra excitement in, in barns with getting people to all get along. So we invited you back to kind of share your experiences and thoughts on that. So Susie, if you want to get started, tell us a little bit about the environments that you've been involved in in the past. Sure. Uh, when I started riding as a kid, I started at pretty small barns that hosted some boarders, some lessons, one riding instructor. And then I, I moved to a couple different barns as a youth all with with good relationships everywhere, but it was just a matter of of suiting the discipline and finding the right place and proximity to my house that I wanted to participate in. And then I continued to be involved in horses when I was in college and then as an adult. So I would say that a number of different barns, sometimes just being a boarder, sometimes helping out as an instructor, sometimes then owning and running my own business. So I think given those experiences, I've definitely seen some barn drama occur, and it's really important to me to help people to balance that, offset that, and really find the right niche for them so that they feel comfortable in the horse industry. So maybe give us some examples, and and perhaps as a youth, um, I think as kids, we're pretty unaware about almost everything, but maybe give us some examples. What are the types of... uh, of drama that you had witnessed in the past? Sure. I I would say when you're a kid, a lot of times you may be entered into a sport where we pay people to judge us, but we also are really sensitive about being judged because horse people put in a lot of hard work and hard time into the, the passion or the sport or the hobby that they're involved in. So I would say even as simple as not being invited to something happening at the barn or some group of kids talking about another kid that doesn't have a horse that's quite as nice or doesn't wear the right equipment or the right outfit and how hurtful that can be. So I think when we think about horse sports being often a solo sport, we wanna make sure that we're inclusive. So Taylor, I know you work with quite a few youth riders. And so something that Susie said, do you see that? I mean, do the kids get kind of clicky or kind of bullying if you don't have the latest, coolest. So I don't know, what, what do you see in kids? 
Um, yeah, so we do have a very active barn that's mostly filled with teenagers and younger. And I definitely, like as a whole, have seen that in the horse industry. And I think the best thing that you can do to prevent that is to just model good sportsmanship yourself. And we all have bad days, right? We all, from time to time, may point out somebody that's different than us. But if we continue to just try to model good sportsmanship, make an inclusive environment, rather than saying, oh, so-and-so looks terrible, maybe instead invite them to a lesson. You know, there's different ways to model that. Something as simple as we have a couple different sportsmanship posters that are posted at our barn um, that are Michigan 4-H sportsmanship posters that just have like a clear definition for sportsmanship, as well as some quick little phrases. Some phrases that I'm sure you have heard before, like, oh my gosh, she looks like such a Yahoo. Um, and just a really easy way that you can respond when you hear those sorts of things. So even if it's just the presence of those posters, another one that, that poster that we have hung up is, is targeted more at the adults about being the best version of yourself because there's a lot of kids watching in this barn. I think that that's probably one of the, the best ways that we have minimized drama at our barn, at least in terms of clicks, because we just try to model good sportsmanship. So it's some added poster advice to reinforce everybody being a good actor then. And I'm not going to lie. I have walked by the poster myself and thought, oh, okay, that, that's a sign <laughs> saying, Taylor, be a better version of yourself. So they're good reminders personally as well. I know it's hard being a kid and we're not, we're not going to let the adults off the hook here, but for <laughs> kids, I think is a little bit of almost school behavior where they, they do see some of that clicky type of stuff. And, you know, the kids that don't have, I don't know, the latest school's backpack or something like that. So Susie, how have you addressed that with uh, some of the work that you've done in, in trying to get youth to be the best version of themselves they can be? Yeah, I think I love Taylor's uh, poster idea. And we do some of the thing, same things in the barns that I'm involved with. In addition, I think thinking of the barn as a team and having some goals and focus can really, really help. Also making sure you include everybody. So we've talked a little bit about the youth and, and, and similar to Taylor, the barn that I work at primarily is heavy in, in youth, a lot of young riders, but we also have some adults and sometimes the adults can end up feeling left out with all the kid activities. So we make sure to involve them, whether it's preparing for an event or being guest judges, or having a special place within the event. So kind of thinking about everybody's comfort level and their strengths and inviting them personally into a role when you're working as a team, whether it's preparing for an event at the barn or going to a competition, I think that team aspect can really be helpful. I was just thinking about how we include some people um, that might not be your usual barn attendance. We have some moms that are super horse savvy and they're able to really help their kiddos. I'm one of those moms. But then we have some moms that are complete newbies. They're, they grew up playing softball and that sort of mom wants to feel included as well. Um, so I have a few of those in the barn, but you know what those moms love to do? They love to put out the food table at the horse show or make sure everybody's back numbers are right. But like everybody wants to feel needed 
and wanted. And so just thinking of everybody as a team, I like that idea. Um, and making sure that everybody feels valued and has a role is really important because already, can you imagine like joining the horse world and not knowing anything? That's incredibly overwhelming and and would make you feel not included, but there's probably a ton of skills that you do have that would be very valuable, even if they weren't related to horse training. So uh, to include those parents too, that might feel left out. So the horse world, and, and as I suppose everything in society, it's a bit stratified. Economics do play a bit of a role in this game. And so a lot of people that are maybe new to the sport may come in um, with, you know, maybe some of that equipment or horses that aren't you know, as well-trained, et cetera, because everybody starts somewhere. And typically you just don't jump in at the, the highest pinnacle of, of something when you're trying it out. So how do you make sure that the environment, and again, all the members of the barn are accepting for those people that are, you know, really don't have a whole lot of idea of what's going on quite yet. For me, I would just go back to, again, just modeling um, the good sportsmanship yourself. It's a slippery slope when someone is different that joins the crew, but often it just takes one, maybe two people to say, Hey, I'm so glad that you joined or, or to just like nip that, that abusive talk in the bud. And that might be all it takes. So you can only control most of the time your own actions. So if you continue to, you know, be the best version of yourself. And I know I sound like um, a life coach here. (laughs) I'm not, I promise I'm not that good of a person, but, but I really try my darndest to just make people feel included um, when they visit. Um, And, and so far it's worked out for us. And, and that sort of uh, my friend and I um, at the barn, we call it contagious positivity. And like, we thought if, if nothing else, if that's what our barn is known for, awesome. And so we're going to work really hard this season at the shows to, um, to not only cheer for those in our barn, but to cheer others on. We were, we just had a really long conversation about this yesterday about how it's kind of become obsolete to cheer. And I'm not saying to like heckle and coach from the rail, but like, if you don't know someone and you see them do something great, why not tell them like that a compliment from a stranger, like Who wouldn't love to hear that? Who wouldn't love to have people you don't know or that you barely know clap at the end of your ride or your pattern? And, but it's, it's almost become um, inappropriate to do that. So that's one of our goals this year in our barn is to just set the example. And I feel like that's all you can do is just control your actions and hope that others will follow by your example. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you're so used to everybody cheers for your friends, whether it was good or not, but supportive. But yeah, let's cheer when something good happens. I was just going to say, hopefully it'll work. Maybe we'll have to do a podcast at the end of the year. We'll see. Any thoughts um, from your end on making sure the, the new people are included in an endeavor? You know, I loved Taylor's answer so much that I think that I'm going to answer this a totally different way. And what I'm going to say is whether you're brand new or even when you're still learning and not a professional, which many of us are not a professional in the horse industry, is to trust your professionals. Go with the people that you feel you can trust to get good advice from, whether it be your trainer, your riding instructor, your farrier, your veterinarian. Pick those people out. And when you ask them for advice, trust their advice and follow through with it. I think one way that a lot of drama is started 
is when you ask your trainer and then your trainer tells you an answer and then you ask your barn friend and then you ask your friend at the other barn and then you ask three other people and you get lots of different answers and it starts drama. So I'm not saying that it's not okay to do that, but what I'm saying is be really careful because that's one of the areas that can really cause a lot of problems. There are a lot of different ways to do things and it doesn't mean that one way is wrong and one way is right. But when you are developing your place in the industry, you want to work with your professional team. Such a good answer. I think my favorite clients don't necessarily, aren't the ones that necessarily have a ton of money, super fancy horses or stuff. It's just the listeners. I love when I get a client that is willing to listen because then I am more candid with my answers to them, more straightforward. Um, even if their goals don't align with my personal goals at all, that's fine. But I think that's a really great answer, Susie. Listen, listen to those experts around around you. So you guys have both talked about um, modeling personal behavior. So, and and I I guess that's a great place. If we all did that, then we wouldn't have to talk about it, right? Um, There'd be no drama because we're all wonderful people. (laughs) But (laughs) we know this is not reality. So For the two of you that um, run your own professional operation, you obviously can control yourself, but then I I would assume you also sort of have an obligation to control the environment. And so you can't just be saying, well, I'm good, so we'll just see what shakes out. How do you handle that other aspect if if it's not just you as a boarder, it's the entire thing? I will be honest with you and tell you that a couple of years ago, we got to a point in the barn that I work with where there were groups of kids that didn't feel like they were getting along that well with other groups of kids. And you know what? We hired a outside professional to come in and do some team building activities. And I went and I checked out middle school counselors often will do work on the side. And we brought somebody in who did team building activities. And a lot of it was centered on what Taylor has said about giving positive compliments and looking for the good and what everybody contributes to the barn. And it basically built our team into a more positive environment and helped everybody kind of switch gears and switch their focus. So I think going that far is really okay. And it was totally worth the money we spent on it. Never heard of that ever happening before in in a barn. So you hired somebody to come in, and was there like buy in from all the kids? Was it like mandatory? You know, how did that work? Yeah, you know what? Um, it wasn't necessarily mandatory, but everybody attended. And what we did is again, we set the standard and said, "Hey, you guys, we really want to create a more positive environment in the barn." And we really want you all to be here. And we set it for a Friday night and we had a pizza party and it was before COVID started and um, parents dropped their kids off and it was really, really positive. And then the effect of, of that continued with, again, more posters in the barn. And the other thing we really learned through that too was the importance of addressing issues, not necessarily the problem person or horse. So maybe if Sally never sweeps up her aisle or cleans her stall when she uses it, maybe we need to think about educating everybody and making sure that they know what's expected before and after when they come to the barn. 
So that was a big game changer, even for the kids to realize that it's about educating, not about pointing fingers and determining who did what. I'll add to that and to kind of piggyback off your last response, Susie, about listening to the professionals around you. Um, I have really appreciated when I have had parents that are supportive and in expecting good behavior from their children. And I've heard some other examples of that from different barns. So anytime that I've had a youth step out of line, their parents are quick to not only pull them back where they should be, but also to, to support me in doing so rather than and arguing against, or like you said, pointing fingers at another youth or passing the blame along. So I have really appreciated that when I have parents that are supportive of nipping any drama in the bud too. So it sounds like, I mean, that's a pretty unique approach to take with, with kids. Um, and, and maybe they're used to that a little bit more. Adults can be a little bit more stuck in their ways <laughs> if they practiced a certain way of being for a longer period of time. So what do we do if it's adults that are creating issues? Do you make them go to counseling too? I would say one of the most important approaches with adults is if they come to you with a concern or a complaint is to A, be a good listener, and B, our role is not to chime in with additional, say, gossip or information. And then I usually assume that if they came to me with a concern or a complaint, they want it addressed or fixed. And I'm okay with having some of those hard conversations on their behalf and addressing the problem, which usually involves another person or another horse to help move forward. Yeah, um, I think Susie's maybe had more experience in this <laughs> arena than I have. Um, I have experience working with some difficult parents in my extension role, and I agree that a lot of times people just want to feel heard, um, and myself, again, I can only control myself. I have learned over the years and with gained maturity to just not get defensive because a lot of times there, first of all, there may be a lot of background information that they finally got to you. And you are just a sounding board for them. So try not to take things personally and get defensive. And that's true if a boarder comes to us with a concern about their horse's care or another boarder, is that to not get defensive, uh, and that will solve a lot of communication issues. So what happens, um, just kind of role-playing some scenarios here, barns, and again, horse owners are usually places that people of similar backgrounds and interests, I guess, uh, theoretically should be together. But what if you have people that just don't maybe just fit? Go ahead, Susie, you first. Chris, I think that's a really important point. And I may have said it already, and I'll say it again, the importance of choosing the right barn for you and your horse. And as a barn owner or manager, making sure that the people that are at your barn feel like it's the right fit. And it's okay to have your fit change. I mean, I've certainly had people come through my lesson program who have ridden with me for a while and now they're riding at another barn. And my goal always is that they think fondly of the experiences they have. And it's still a positive interaction when we see them out somewhere because really, they just needed to find a better fit for them. And I'm always hopeful that they have found that. So I think understanding who you are as a business and what you can offer 
And then if you're the horse owner, finding the barn that can meet your needs and realizing it's okay to then find a different situation if that's what you need. I've been very fortunate um, prior to my barn owning experience. We've owned our boarding farm for about five years now. But prior to that, I boarded at several places and I had three really great experiences. They were different barns, but I can look back fondly and I see some now looking back, I do see some strengths of some, um, but I had really good experiences. So I count my blessings there. Um, but I did definitely learn through those experiences, different things to look for in a barn. And so I do, I have chatted with people before about things to look at when you're visiting. And that's, first of all, look at the care of the facility and the care of the horses. How do they look? Um, and that's going to tell you a lot of things just about the general welfare and maintenance of the facility and the horses. So if neither of those meet your needs, then, you know, listen to those gut reactions and red flags. Um, but then to, to continue what Susie was sharing about finding that right match, be sure as a barn owner, what I do is I try to be very transparent about what our barn is like. If I told somebody that we had a really quiet barn and you'll be riding by yourself, that's just completely misrepresenting what our barn is. Our barn is super busy. If you have a young horse that you want to get exposed to a lot of things, our barn is the place for you because there's always a lot going on. There are quieter times and you can share those different arena times with people. But I think just being really transparent um, as a horse owner about what you're expecting from the barn and then as a barn owner, what you're expecting are really important. Um, you know, we try not to oversell things when people are visiting the barn and say, oh yeah, we'll switch all your blankets for you and this and that. That's not something that we're able to do. But I have found in my experience on both sides of the fence, if you just, if nothing is a surprise, then nobody's upset, right? So just be really transparent about your expectations and what you're willing to do and expect and provide and what have you. And that seems to eliminate a lot of drama um, going forward. So is it more, you know, a, a similar shared um, values or expectations? Um, should people select barns based, you know, on discipline or the level of care the horse needs? I mean, what, what's a great place to get started to make sure that, that you fit in and it's the right place for you? So I dropped my horse off um, at the trainers last night, actually. So my young two-year-old needs to go to boot camp. And I was having a conversation with this trainer. Um, and he said to me, I learned he's been in the business about 30 years. He said, I learned long ago that if the horses are well cared for and with good, proper nutrition, and if they're worked every day, my barn will always be full. And he said, now, if you go above and beyond that, and there are some goals reached and what have you, he said, the level of quality of horses that I receive have gotten better and better over the years. But the two most important things that he has found that people care about um, and this is a training facility that's working your horses. So it's proper nutrition that they're fed and watered every day and that they're worked. And he's like, there are a lot of facilities that those two things can't get checked off necessarily. So sometimes I, in my opinion, I think that those basic necessities of animal welfare should be paramount and the number one thing that you look at. Um, and then some of the other superlatives like discipline are, are on top of those things. They're kind of icing on the cake in my opinion. 
But I think Taylor, you mentioned some really good points earlier too about how busy do you want the barn? Do you want to go and have the arena to yourself and have nobody there? Or will that make you more uncomfortable and you want there yeah. to be a lot of people? Do you want a barn where everybody's on the same schedule or you're all spread out? A lot of times it's important to look at the opportunity to have good instruction or instruction that fits the discipline needs for you and your horse. So making sure that there's either an instructor there or you're allowed to bring in instructors that you may need. Um, those are really important questions to ask upfront. And like you said too, Susie, those things might change over time. And I think that's totally okay. People's goals change over time. We support here um, people moving on onward and upward. Um, and, and that's okay too. But as long as they, like you said, look back fondly on their experience. So you guys have talked about modeling um, good behavior and making sure that we're always doing the right thing, uh, which again, lofty goals, but we can certainly as aspire to them. But what if you're not the perpetrator, but you're the victim of some farm drama or bullying? Do you have any advice for people that are on the receiving end? Sure, I'm gonna say, let somebody know about it. So um, I have had people let me know about incidents and my job is first to listen and then to take action. So um, it doesn't always mean discipline action. It just means um, making sure that I talk to somebody who did something to make somebody else feel victimized and know that that's how the other person felt and what they did is not going to be tolerated and okay. And I think that that helps people realize and what's acceptable at the barns I'm involved in. So you have to like come down on them and be the authority figure. Yeah, and it's not really about, oh, you broke a rule or this isn't okay. It's more about what you did ended up being hurtful and we really care about you and we really care about this other person and how can we support everybody and make them all feel comfortable here? Yeah, I would just say communication, 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 which just, you know, goes to your point more. Uh, I'll kind of expand that as well. We have several boarding farms in our area and we are friendly with them all. Um, so there's open line of communication between all of us uh, for the most part. And should a new bar boarder want to leave one and come to another. Um, I have on several occasions called up the other owner and, and just had an open conversation about, I don't want you to think I'm stealing this person. And is there anything you think I should be aware of? Uh, sometimes that has resulted in really great new borders and no bad blood between us and any farms. Other times it's resulted in I'm sorry, we're full at this time. So I think open communication, not only at your barn, will be very helpful as well because the horse industry is small and and I, I want our barn to do really well but there is no reason why the six barns in the 20 mile surrounding area or more can't do really well um, in addition so. so what are we missing guys any other advice or tips for people whether running a business or you know just being a member of a a barn, so not at your own house, to keep everything as peaceful and drama-free as possible? I would say a couple different things. 
as a barn owner, don't be afraid to say no. I know that that's really difficult sometimes when you have empty stalls and empty spots and you need them filled, but listen to your gut. Um, and if a person is already giving you trouble before they're even there, don't be afraid to say that, I'm sorry, we're full at this time. For us, this is on our property that we live on. I mean, this is our home. And I am really fortunate that every border that pulls in our driveway, I think, oh, they're here. I want to go say hi. Um, and I don't have the opposite reaction. So I would say that. And then something I just encourage with, we have a lot of youngsters, as I mentioned, that for them, the barn, and, and most of us really, the barn is a refuge. So seventh grade and the rest of life is hard enough as it is. The barn doesn't need to be an extension of that feeling. I have a lot of teenage girls here that one, get along, which is awesome, but that have a tough time at school. They're beautiful, wonderful, intelligent, talented, and have very few friends at school. I, I was one of those kiddos that felt like I had very few friends at school, but the barn and my horse show friends were a refuge. So to keep it that way, because it's, it's really a privilege that not every kiddo is afforded. Um, so we don't want to, we don't want to change that happy feeling in those friendships at the barn. Susie agrees. She's smiling. <laughs> I really agree, Taylor. That was really, really well said. And, you know, my colleagues and I say the barn is our happy place. We want it to be our happy place. So making sure it's a safe environment for all, uh, is really important. And yeah, that's, I think the key to barn drama is, is communication and, team building, and creating a positive culture with great sportsmanship. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate your insight, and, and hopefully um, our listeners can take some of these to heart. And again, it's, it's the small kindnesses that we show each other, cheering at a horse show for everybody, welcoming the newcomer to the sport, and, and really listening to the, the people that are trying to guide you um, through the horse world. So again, appreciate your time. And that has been our Tech Box Talk, Horse Stories with a Purpose. Thank you. Thanks for having us.